0: Well, good morning, and it's great to be with you again to share a little bit more about what it is to be empowered by the Spirit. It really struck me sitting there as uh, we were singing this song, and it's been, uh, this is week six of singing this song, twice each Sunday, and when you listen to something again and again, the words start to really permeate, don't they? they? They sink down deep into your heart, And our response to all that God is doing in these days stems from our relationship with him and how we deal with things, how we become empowered by the Spirit and what it is to follow God in that way. So it's been a great pleasure and privilege to uh, work with David week by week as we've looked at some of these amazing texts from the Bible to see what it is to walk with God in a way that really honors him. And uh, I, I believe that for ncbc 2021 could be a very significant year Uh, a year when you get a new uh, senior leader uh, perhaps a year when you open yourselves up even more and for some people it's a new thing for others it's a continuation of what's gone before but an opening up of, of yourselves more and more to the power of god wanting to work in you and then through you to see your world changed So we live in incredibly exciting days, encouraging days, challenging days, days when we can be really pepped up and so easily downcast, all within a very short space of time. And uh, I want to look a little bit today at what it is to live with mystery and to live with muddle as part of what it is to be empowered by the Spirit. You see, when, when we look to God, for God to do amazing things in us and then through us, we are looking very often for God to do the miraculous. And I think that is so important. Our city, our country, needs the miraculous expression of the power of God through his people more uh, perhaps now than ever. And that power is available to us, and yet there are also times when we're praying with great faith and we don't see everything that we wish to see. A couple of weeks ago I mentioned uh, being in Brazil on a mission trip in 2016, and seeing incredible miracles happen as we prayed for people who were so open to the power of God being released on them and uh, onto them. And I do remember also one particular girl that uh, my wife Paige prayed for, and then she asked me to come and pray, and then we had someone else come and pray as well, who had had an operation and things had gone badly wrong, and a piece of metal was left in her arm from some surgical instrument. And uh, it was a long story, but the, the, the gist of it was that she was unable to move her arm in the normal way, and we prayed believing for her, and we agonized before God, and yet nothing seemed to happen. And it's that balance of saying we're going to contend for something, but we are also going to live with a mystery that as we are empowered by the Spirit, it does not yet mean that everything that we pray for comes to be in the way that we would like it to be, or in the time frame that we want. And yet, nonetheless, God is still at work. So we need to be able to be people who live with mystery for miracles that don't happen and heartache that does. And I think if we're going to be able to cope with that, we need to be empowered by the Spirit of God. One of the songs that we sang today is, you are good, you are good, and your love endures. You know, the goodness of God doesn't change when we're going through muddle. In, or mystery in our own lives, and things we don't understand happen. COVID has been a strange factor in our lives for a year almost now. And during that time, people have been, some people have been really cast down by the whole uh, restriction, the lack of interaction face-to-face, the the loneliness of it all. Um, I think for me, it's not so much been that, but things have happened that have nevertheless been a challenge to cope with a challenge to get my head around challenge to understand sometimes things happen in our own lives personally or as a family which we find very hard to cope with there's heartache and that heartache is real and we can't just wish it away so we need to live better live with mystery miracles that don't happen and heartache that sometimes does does that mean that God is not still God? No, it doesn't. Does it doesn't mean that God is no longer good? No, it doesn't. You're also saying, you alone can rescue. And I've been wrestling in my own mind over these last few weeks with a particular situation that, that we're facing and the challenge of reconciling that to the goodness of God, reconciling that with the reality that we are empowered by the Spirit to live victorious lives. I'm thinking, how do the two come together? And I want to demonstrate today how they can come together. So we have to learn to live with mystery and sometimes life can be painful. Life can be painful. There are those perhaps who we know that are affected either by COVID or other illnesses and it's hard for us to look on and see them suffering. Sometimes there are unanswered questions in our lives that make us wonder what on earth it's all about. So we live with mystery, that is part of what it is to follow Jesus. We also have to live sometimes with muddle, faith that is messy, answers that are elusive. You know, faith is a messy, messy thing. Most of us like to be in control of our lives, don't we? And that's why the idea of sitting here. With a blindfold on, not being able to see what you're about to eat, even though it was absolutely, amazingly wonderful. It's a sense of lacking control. And faith, when we trust God, means that we've got to be able to say to God, I'm going to give up my control to you. If we are going to see a move of the Spirit, if we're going to be empowered by the Spirit, we have to take our hands off the control. And for some of us who are listening to this today, control is an issue bigger than we like to believe. We we use this funny expression, don't we? Somebody is a control freak. They macro-manage and they micro-manage. They manage the big things, they manage the little things, but they control, they control, they control. And I believe that what God wants us to do is to take our hands off the control setting and give it over to him, and he's going to allow his plans and purposes to come in and through us if we allow him to be in control. So don't be a control freak. I do believe that there is this tendency within the church, and I've been in church for 54 years, so I'm not a novice at this. I believe there's a tendency in the church for us to control things. And we control things because we don't want to be taken out of our comfort zone. We control things because we're afraid of what might happen if we let go. And the spirit of control can cripple the life of a church as quickly as anything. And we need to remember that even those of us who are in leadership roles, Paige and I stepped down from senior leadership as you probably know at Beacon Church at the end of last year, so we're no longer senior leaders, but we are still part of the leadership team at the present. And as leaders, we need to say that this is not our church. In 2016, when I had this very powerful impartation from God in Brazil and I knew that God was calling us to a different ministry outside Beacon and I said to God while I was lying on the floor as you do what about Beacon and as clear as anything God said to me Beacon is not your church don't worry about it which was not the answer I was looking for but it was the answer that God gave. And I want to encourage you, if you are a group leader here, your small group is not yours. If you are part of the eldership team or a deacon or you have responsibility for youth or for other aspects of ministry here, that ministry is not yours. It belongs to God. You are stewarding for a period what God has given to you. And you need to take your hands off the control. I was uh, walking up and down earlier on trying to get warm in this uh, building which is not massively sauna-like today and reading some of the plaques on the wall. And, um, and there was one gentleman who's a life deacon. And I'm thinking, gosh, it sounds like a life sentence, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, forgive me for being facetious, but it just struck me as a little bit funny. The point is, though, that we are not anything actually for life. We are simply stewards of a responsibility for a season and it's so important as Jesus followers that we remember that this is his church and we are here simply to steward our role for this season for the glory of God and for the benefit of other people and that means that we have to live life that is a mystery but also sometimes a model and what if when restrictions lift at some point in the future and people are able to fill this room again more so than we have this morning what if during that time you are visited by God in such a powerful way that the order of service gets scrapped that people are are milling about because they are so filled with the power of the spirit of God what if people aren't sitting in the right place or someone sitting in your seat? What if there are people coming in because they're somehow drawn by the power of God into a building they don't know why they're here? And they're not normal churchy people. They're not the normal middle class people that we like to meet with and uh, meet up with. What if th- that happens? Are you prepared for the muddle? Will you want to control it? Will you want to bring it into some sort of order? you quote verses like all things should be done decently and in order. That's justification for control. Because if we're going to be empowered by the Spirit, we need to take our hands off the control and say, God, this is yours. But we are on for the ride. We're here for the ride. So let's live lives that are able to cope with mystery when things don't happen the way that we would like them to. Let's live lives that are able to cope with muddle. Because muddle, I believe, is part of the kingdom. How do we do that? There's the first scripture from the Old Testament, and it's the book of First Samuel. And just reading chapter thirty, verse six. And the context here is that David and his friends are in a, in a bit of a muddle themselves and um i won't get into the story because we don't really have time but it says in verse six david was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him now i can imagine that would cause great distress wouldn't it i've been in various church situations over the years which have been um distressing but never as far as i'm aware has anybody wanted to stone me But David, it says at the very end of verse 6, David found strength in the Lord, his God. It says in another version, David strengthened himself in the Lord. David found strength in God. And as I've been rushing through some of these things, my own life, these last few weeks, and trying to understand how we can go forward when things aren't happening in the way that we would like, and when there's a sense of real heartache and sadness that the strength that we have does not come from everything going well. Our strength comes from the Lord. And that's been my experience. David found strength in the Lord, his God. You know, David was somebody on whom the Spirit of the Lord came in power. And when the Spirit of the Lord came in power on David, the Spirit of the Lord stayed with David. And in many occasions in the Old Testament, despite the, the sound bites we love to trot out, uh, which is, but I believe are simply wrong, the Spirit of the Lord didn't just come and depart from people in the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord was there for good, just as he is in the New Testament. It looked different, I think. But the Spirit of the Lord was with David. And because the Spirit of the Lord was with David, David found strength in the Lord, his God. So what do we do when we've got mystery and we've got muddle and we think, well, I want to live a life empowered by the Spirit, but everything else needs to be doing the opposite. Will I find strength in the Lord my God? I declare that you are good. You are good and your love endures. I declare that you alone can rescue. And it's so important that we're familiar with the truths of Scripture so we can bring Scripture to bear when life seems to say the opposite. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16 in the New Testament. Let's pick up from verse one. <clears throat> uh, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra. A disciple named Timothy lived there, whose mother was Jewish, a believer, who's, and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. I just want to skip down to verse uh, four, <clears throat> please. And apologies to the guys on the words this morning. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. This was the Council of Jerusalem, Acts fifteen so verse 5 so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers they grew daily in numbers they were strengthened by the message that that um, paul and timothy brought to them and maybe others who were as part of the entourage and they traveled around and they strengthened the church see as as people strengthen us we uh, and we in and of ourselves we find strength in the lord our god remember that the person responsible for your spiritual growth is you there'll be others who will strengthen you but ultimately you need to find strength in the lord your god and that can happen as we are empowered by the spirit see paul and timothy and the others who were traveling they were filled with the spirit they were empowered by the spirit and therefore they could strengthen others and see them filled and empowered and strengthened they could bring people to a place where they could then begin to feed themselves. All of us who have had children, we know what it's like to have babies that are almost 100% dependent on um, parents to care for them. And As the children grow up, they begin to do things for themselves. And we would think it very strange, wouldn't we, if an adult said, would you feed me? We expect the adult to be self-sufficient in feeding themselves. And as Christians, as Jesus follows, we need to be people who are empowered by the Spirit ourselves so that we can feed ourselves, so that we can have the encounters that others have given testimony of just a couple of weeks ago, that we can, because of our experience with God, begin to be self-feeders, self-sufficient in the kingdom, though we are always relying on one another for that mutual strength and encouragement and accountability. But nevertheless, we recognize that I am responsible for my spiritual growth. You are responsible for yours. And no one else can do that for you. We can bring things as suggestions, we can encourage, we can come alongside and support. But as Ephesians four says, we are here to equip the saints for works of service. And I believe that our role as leaders And if you're part of the eldership or you lead any group here within the church, you are here for such a time as this in this season to equip others so that you no longer are as necessary. You know, in our church culture, we have this this system of of leadership so often and pastors and everything else where the leaders can be in a, a codependent relationship with their congregation. The congregation needs to be needed, the leaders need to be needed. Who am I if I'm not a pastor? Well, I'm still the same son of God as I ever was. And you are as well. Because you've found what it is to be strengthened by the Lord your God. So I want to encourage you that as you find strength in the Lord, you can in turn strengthen other people. As you find God empower you, you can then empower others. And this is what we need to see. It's not just a bless me, bless me, bless me culture. It's, Lord, would you fill me up so I can go out and be your hands and your feet in the world in which I live? Can you do something so incredible in me that it flows out through me and affects my world? And that's what we need to see. At the very end of Acts chapter uh, 16, In verse 40, Paul and Silas, you know, they've been in prison and and there's that great thing with the Philippian jailer and and he says, you know, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. In verse 40, Paul and Silas came out of the prison. They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them and encouraged them. Then they left. You know, this is my last Sunday with you on a Sunday morning for this series. And I want to encourage you. And then to be really scriptural. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go into the city. We're here to encourage one another. And I want to encourage you today. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Open yourself up to all that God has for you. Allow him to touch your heart and your life and your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you need to, take your hands off the control of your own life of any area of ministry that you are responsible for at this moment and understand that the same God who empowers you wants to work through you to empower other people. What would it be like if all the folk at NCBC and those who are listening to this video were so empowered by God that we wanted to be conduits, we wanted to be vessels that God could use to empower one another. And there was this amazing, Just imagine this room filled in the balcony as well, full of people. Um, if you can think of pre-COVID or hopefully post-COVID at some point, where we can actually be there and we just lay hands on each other and touch each other. And there's this electric current of the spirit of God just buzzing around this building and filling it up. So people who go past, are just so touched by the power of God. They want to come into all that God has for them, even if they don't know what's drawing them see this is what it is to be empowered to empower others to see the work of god expand what we need surely in norfolk today is not just a ministry of addition but a ministry of multiplication where we see people touched by the power of god who then affect other people who in turn affect other people because it's possible when god gets hold of our hearts let's strengthen one another let's encourage one another Ask people how they are. Someone rang me up during the week about something to do with with Beacon. But before he got into that, he said to me, how are you? And I have to say that in my role, very few people ask, how are you? Ask that of people. I'm not saying to the guys who are here today at the end of this meeting, ask me how I am. I'm simply saying this, be there for folk encourage them say how are you doing how can i pray for you how can i support you how can i cheer you on how can i encourage you because god's heart is for us to be mutually encouraging of one another acts chapter 19 uh, just quickly uh, as we bring things towards a conclusion i say towards in a very general sense of the word towards While Apollos was at Corinth, chapter 19, verse 1, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. It's a little town in Turkey called Ephesus now, near a place called Selçuk, and you can see there the ruins of the city of Ephesus, an amazing, amazing place. There he found some disciples, verse 2, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. He told the ones to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. See, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was, it was a good thing to do. Let's not think this was unimportant. It was a very important thing to do. It was saying, I'm going to turn away from what was, and I'm going to turn towards what God wants for me. And Paul's response was to remind them that John's role was to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. And of course, it's Jesus who was going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it's that baptism, that filling of the Spirit of God, that enabling, that empowering of the Spirit that this series is all about. And I believe that we can go through a whole lifetime in church life, uh, be part of a fellowship, be perhaps quite involved, and yet never begin this journey of walking with the Spirit. For David and for myself, it is hugely important that people are grounded in the Word and in the Spirit. We are Word and Spirit people. The two come together. We cannot be fully people of the Word if we're not fully people of the Spirit. We cannot be fully people of the Spirit if we're not people of the Word. The two are integral. They are, they are inseparable. They are inseparable. You know, the illustration is sometimes used of... In a completely different context, we imagine two pieces of wood are glued together with wood glue. Now I understand, and I'm not being knowing awful lot about this, that sometimes the wood glue is stronger than the wood itself. And when you prise apart two pieces of wood that are being glued together, sometimes there are pieces of wood that come off with the glue. And and, and we we use this illustration for people who have been in intimate relationships outside marriage and, and how when those relationships are broken, there's damage and there's hurt in people's lives and that's where the healing of God needs to come in. And we use this illustration of pieces of wood being torn apart. Let's take that same illustration and use it when we try to separate word and spirit. There's this sense that something is broken when we we disassociate what God always brings together. And we need to be people who understand what it is to be those of the Word and those of the Spirit. And Paul says to these people in Ephesus, John's role was to encourage others to believe in the one coming after him, the one who was Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus now here to my left is what I'm assuming is a baptistry. I'm guessing anyway. Over that, also a very elaborate stage you've got here. And people are baptised in water. And I've been baptised in water. And it's really, really important. It is also very important that we're baptised in the Spirit of God. And we can be in church our whole lives and be baptised in water and be doing all sorts of things and yet never really be filled with the Spirit. And it's not that God looks at us and, we, uh, and uh, people are second class. It's not that at all. It's simply that God is inviting us into the more. There's always more. It's a shocking thought that uh, I came to faith when I was very little. So I've been a Christian almost, not quite, almost half a century. Now this doesn't even seem remotely possible to me but it's true. And I'm still learning. I'm learning all the time. Over these last few weeks, as I've been battling through other things, I've been learning more about what it is to walk in the power of the Spirit. I've learned more about what it is to bring sadness or to bring disappointment. Say to God, God, will you deal with this? I can't deal with this. I can't cope with this. Will you deal with it for me? We're learning all the time. Don't ever be at the point where you think you've arrived. I don't want to be someone who disillusions you, but but you haven't. (laughs) There's no other way to say it. We, We never arrive. We're always on a journey, but we're journeying with God. We're walking with God. We're keeping in step with the Spirit. We're saying, God, will you fill me again? Will you fill me afresh? Will you do something in me that I cannot do for myself? Will you take me places that I cannot go on my own strength? I want to be filled with your Spirit. I want to live in the kingdom, and I want to live out the kingdom. I want to live in the kingdom in the power of the spirit and I want to live the kingdom out in my life so that others can come into the fullness of walking with Jesus. That's our heart in being empowered by the spirit says this that we can be empowered for miracles to see incredible things happen. We can be empowered for miracles in our everyday mundane lives where we battle the challenges that we have for health or finance or unemployment or whatever it might be that you're battling at the moment and saying, God, there's a miracle of overcoming in this. I need to be empowered by the Spirit for this to happen. And I need to be empowered by the Spirit to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I took a funeral on... Wednesday. It's the coldest funeral I have ever, ever been at. There was more snow than I ever remember, and it's the first time I've taken a a funeral wearing a suit, well, I always wear a suit, and walking boots, because uh, the snow was so deep. And in that funeral service, I read out from 1 Corinthians 13. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about what love is, and also what love isn't. And it's no good us saying, I'm going to be empowered by the Spirit and I'm going to see miracles done if I don't demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control that is characteristic of Jesus and therefore should be characteristic of me. And so often we fall down, we think that's not the thing to go for, we want to go for the gifts and the gifts are so important and we could do a whole series on the gifts of the Spirit. But unless they're fruit of the Spirit Are being portrayed as we demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit. We are not anything much more than a gonging, a a, a clanging gong or, or a cymbal that just makes that discordant note. And yet, God wants us to be people who are integrated. We want to be whole people. So let's be empowered by the Spirit for the miracles of life change, of salvation, of healing, of deliverance. Let's be empowered by the Spirit for the miracles of everyday life and coping with the nitty-gritty mundane. And let's be empowered by the Spirit to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives for the honor of Jesus' name. So I want to pray as we bring this to a close. And uh, I think I may mentioned this a couple of weeks ago were we in this building all together, then I would encourage you to come to the front. And I can't do that really because you'd have to get into your cars and by the time you got here, we'd have gone probably. So what I want to encourage you to do is to simply stand in your living room, in your kitchen or wherever you are, if you're listening to this, a recording of this when you're driving, just stand in your head. But if these things apply to you, I want you to stand. And you will notice as you stand, if you're watching this, that I'm also standing. So everything that applies to you applies to me in equal measure. So I want to pray for three areas. For those of us who feel the need, and and, and I'm hoping that all of us feel the need for all three of these, because we should really. But we understand there's a need to be empowered by the Spirit to see the miraculous release, people to come to salvation, people to be healed, and people to be delivered. There are demonized people in Norwich and in Norfolk as much as there were in the first century. There are no changes. There's no difference, really. It may look a little bit different on the outside, but underneath there's a spiritual issue, and we need to see the ministry of deliverance, part and parcel of church life. We need to see the miracle of healing, part and parcel of church life. We need to see the, the whole ministry of salvation, evangelism, part and parcel of church life. If you want to see any of those things in your life, I just want to encourage you to stand with me as we pray together. Father, we thank you that you are able to use ordinary people like each of us in a powerful, dramatic way to see lives changed. And so, Father, I'd ask right now that you would fill each of us who's standing before you in your presence with a fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. I pray, Father, that you'd release spiritual gifts as we stand before you, trusting you for the present and for the future. You you would release people into gifts of evangelism, of disciple-making, that the spiritual gifts, gifts listed throughout the New Testament would be part and parcel of our everyday lives, the miracles of healing, of words of knowledge, words of encouragement, teaching gifts to be released. Father, I pray that there would be uh, people released in gifts today for the supernatural deliverance of other people from the power of demonic oppression. Father, I pray that as we open up our hands to you today, you would fill these hands with the compassion of God that we want to lay these hands on those who want to be healed. We want to lay these hands on people who need to be set free. We want to lay these hands on situations that need a supernatural breakthrough, whether it's a financial breakthrough or a health breakthrough or an employment breakthrough or a marriage restoration or whatever it might be. Father, there might be a power released through us for miracles to see your kingdom come and your will be done, even here as it is in heaven. So that Jesus will be honored and glorified in our lives. The second group I want to pray for are those of us who want to simply see the miraculous release in our everyday lives, particularly with the heartbreak challenges that we face from time to time. Father God, you see our hearts. You see the pain and the sadness. You see the challenge that we sometimes have of reconciling different aspects of our lives, and yet through it all, we still believe that you are good. You are good, and your love endures. And so, Lord, as we navigate these tricky Situations, uh, and they may look ever so different depending on whatever situation we're facing, but they are nevertheless for us personally in this time, difficult situations. Father, we invite you to fill us again, and we we ask you to fill us with the Spirit of God so that we can navigate these situations well. So that this is equally a, a miracle when you restore peace into a troubled heart. It's a miracle. Of the provision of God. And when you fill us up with all that you are, and that we understand that whatever lies ahead and however things work out, you are still good and your love still endures. And that that miracle of walking with you through the mundane and through the difficult and through the boring and through every other aspect of normal life is just as important as seeing the sick healed and the demonized set free. Because you're the God of the whole person. And you want us to be integrated, whole people as well. Body, soul and spirit. All aspects of who we are saying yes to Jesus. And thirdly, Father, we pray for each of us that we will demonstrate to our world the fruit of the Spirit of God as we accept from you the infilling of the Spirit of God. So we will be characterized by that love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, Self-control, these will be characteristics of our lives in increasing measure. However old we are, however long we've walked with you, that there will be this willingness, Father God, to be filled with you and that our lives will be changed as a result. And finally, Father, I want to pray for all of us that we who so easily want to put our hands back on the controls that we will take our hands off those controls we will remember that this church is Jesus's church he will build it and our role is to make disciples father forgive us for being controlling over your people forgive us for being controlling over how you deal with us forgive us for being controlling in any aspect of our lives that doesn't honor you and as we take our hands off and as we lift our hands to you father would you instead of wheels of control in our hands give us hands that are open to the power of god to be released in us and through us May you empower us by your spirit. Not just today, but for all the days that come. For the honour of Jesus' name. Amen.